and Hypochondriacs, the podcast that brings nurse experts, patients, and hypochondriacs together to discuss hot topics in healthcare. And here is your host, Ercilia Pompilio. Workplace drama. It sucks, and it happens everywhere. This is our new segment called What's Poppin'? And you guessed it, we're going to be talking about workplace drama and problems that come up. Today, we're going to be talking about calling people out on their shit. You got it. Setting boundaries. And as nurses, nobody teaches us how to set boundaries. Everybody thinks we're always supposed to be nice and sweet. And we're just supposed to listen and take care of people's shit. Okay, even when they don't flush it down the toilet, even when they leave it unflushed at your house, you gotta flush their shit down the toilet and it totally sucks. But I'm super excited about this new segment that we're going to be doing. And today my guest is all the way from New York, Irene Willette. She's a family nurse practitioner and we're going to be discussing your workplace drama Stay tuned. And now, a word from our sponsor. Sequels. Some of them are good. Most of them are bad. But on the Sequels Revenge podcast, we're here to celebrate all things sequels. Host John Coulomb and Bill Posley bring on a guest to talk about their favorite movies, and then we pitch a sequel to it. It's a sequel that nobody asked for, but one that we'd like to see. Then we go away. Write the first five pages to the sequel, bring in a table of actors to read it. So if any of this sounds appealing to you, you should download Sequels Revenge podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play stores. And welcome to the show, Irene Willette. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. Awesome. So tell us about yourself, Irene. I mean, we met on Facebook. There goes my phone. <laughs> I'm going to start this. I'm going to start that again. Okay. Okay. Um, All right. So welcome to the show, Irene Willette. Thank you for having me. Cool. So we met on Facebook. We met on a Facebook chat group, and I believe it was the one where um, it was something about physicians bashing nurse practitioners, which this seems yeah. to be a theme. I mean, I'm going to do a whole other episode uh, on that because I've seen a lot of young physicians saying that nurse practitioners shouldn't be practicing at all, that they're taking their uh, their business away, which is not true because most of these MDs will not be practicing at some of the clinics that I work at. Right, <laughs> they don't want, exactly. They don't, they don't want to practice there. They want to practice mm-hmm. in Beverly Hills, okay? They don't want to <laughs> practice in South Central. Some yeah. do. I'm not going to say it's all physicians. Right. But uh, I, I worked with one who dressed like she was going to go to Beverly Hills. I'm like, honey, you're in South Central. You know? Mm. <laughs> She's got to get grabbed before she leaves yeah, for uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I had a Louis Vuitton that I was walking around with, you know, and I walk around with that bag all the time. And I got mm-hmm. told, put your bag away where you know you're in South Central. I go, right, but this chick exactly. is walking around in heels and like she's going to be doing Botox on people. I don't know. But anyway, Irene, that is a, a subject for another day. So tell us about yourself. Uh-oh. Irene, <laughs> he lost her. 
Welcome to the show, Irene Willettes. Well, thank you for having me. Awesome. So we met on Facebook on a chat group where it was a nurse practitioner chat group and they were talking about these young doctors who are bashing nurse practitioners and saying that nurse practitioners shouldn't be practicing because they're taking away doctors um, income or something like that. Just something weird. They, I don't know. Um, and, and I was like, that's kind of weird because there's a lot of physicians that wouldn't practice where I practice, you mm-hmm. know, and that, that's the right. beauty about being a nurse practitioner, but we're not going to talk about that issue today. That's an issue for another day. And you have brought some issues to the table to our new episode. And you gave me a great idea to start a new segment here on nurses and hypochondriacs on what's your problem, right? Mm-hmm. But tell us about yourself first, Irene. Okay, well, just a short blurb. I worked in uh, healthcare as a nurse uh, in community health for 25 years. And uh, those that aren't familiar with community health, we actually are all over the community going into areas uh, that are really in need of services. After 25 years, I decided to become a nurse practitioner, expand my skills, and that's what I do today. So that's me. <laughs> that's awesome. And where do you, what, what type of facility do you work at? I actually work at a, a federally qualified health center uh-huh. uh, in a, a small Wait, village. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Small village, about 15 miles from where I actually live. And it's, um, we, we take everybody. Okay. To make it simple. We don't, um, uh, you know, not take certain insurances. We take everybody, but most of the people we take are uh, low income. So along with that, or there's a lot of psychosocial issues uh, and dysfunction, which leads to poor health, you know, as we all know that. And that's what I do currently. I work with, uh, mostly our, our uh, practice is made up of doctors. And the rest are PAs and NPs. And I'm fortunate enough that uh, the doctors really do respect us and are glad we're there. But we've had experience where a few doctors that came and went uh, did not really respect NPs. And the reason for that is simply that they had more education than we do, and therefore we should not have the same privileges that they share. We shouldn't be sharing those privileges. In New York State, because this is going everywhere, and I understand that nurse practitioners in different states have different uh, um, uh, ways to practice. Uh, Some of them have to work under a doctor. They're lucky if they can write out a prescription. Here in New York State, we are able to do everything except one thing, and that is to sign for Medicare uh, it has to be co-signed by a MD. So hmm. we're pretty, we're pretty uh, free. We even open up our own practices around here. I mean, it's really very, very satisfying as an NP. But we have run across doctors that don't respect us and don't feel we should be practicing. So, but that's another story for another day, right? That's another story. That's going to be another episode. Yes, I've... You know, I've been practicing now as a nurse practitioner for about 15 years, and I haven't, I will have to say in California, I have had some of the most respectful doctors that even have become my friends. 
in the 15 years, I have now run across maybe three doctors. And I do work for a locum tenens, um, and I've done per diem work for a very long time. So I work at a lot of places. So in my 15 years, I've run across three doctors who um, were a little bit, I don't know if you want to call it disrespectful, but just automatically started to uh, treat me as their personal assistant, which was very <laughs> strange. Um, and, uh, and I'm going to share a, a quick story of a, an NP that I mentored. I didn't mentor. We were doing some consultation work together uh, because she just was feeling very disempowered because she had gotten this job with this physician, very prominent GI physician at a very prominent hospital. Uh, and, and it was her dream job you know, and she was so excited to work for this physician because this physician had been very well published. So as soon as she got there, and I, I know who this physician is, and I've worked with her before, and she's got fabulous fashion attire. Like, if anybody <laughs> listens to this show, they know I love fashion. You know, my mother is a seamstress, so I grew up uh, uh, designing my own clothes. And mm -hmm. so so I love fashion. So every time, and I happened to work at this facility as an RN uh, through the registry. And every time I saw this doctor, it was like I would hear the soundtrack to Sex in the City as she was <laughs> down the aisle, uh, down the unit. Here she comes. Da, 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 and she would wear the most fabulous shoes. Okay. Of course. I mean, she was fabulous. I would look at her and you would never think she was a GI doctor. You'd think she was going to go down the runway or I don't know. She'd be like sipping a latte in Paris. I don't know, but <laughs> she was not a GI. You were just like, you do not do GI. You're not helping people out all day long. Yeah. Right? No, don't you're not doing that. For pumps. <laughs> right? Her fabulous uh, Chanel shoes, whatever she was wearing, her Louis Vuittons or whatever she was wearing. Yeah. You know? Uh, so this, <laughs> this NP, this poor NP automatically became her personal assistant because I don't think the NP was so young that she didn't understand her role herself. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she right. just was so in awe of her position. Like she put this woman on the pedestal, you know, um, and she just would do anything she said. And she was acting like her personal assistant, not as a nurse practitioner. And uh -huh. even so that in the middle, this woman was like scoping someone or in the OR and the NP would answer her phone and be like, oh, it's Chanel. They're talking about, <laughs> I kid you not. She told me the story. She's like, oh, it's the salesperson at Chanel. She's calling to tell you about the specials that they have. And she's like, oh, yes, tell her to put them on the side for me. I will be there this afternoon. Um, oh, after I'm done doing my colonoscopy. After, yeah, after I'm done doing my colonoscopy, I'm going to go down to Chanel and just go for some shoes. So it was really bizarre. And then this doctor would also take her to conferences and treat her like she was a personal assistant. And I had personally uh, gotten a job uh, with a, a pediatric neurologist, and he was treating me the same way. And it was very awkward for me because here right. I come from – like working at a practice where I had full autonomy, literally the mm -hmm. doctor would leave and I was the boss, I was in charge. Right. Working at Children's Hospital, we had full autonomy in the, um, we, we were in surgical admitting where we'd see all the surgical cases and clear them for anesthesia. I mean, the anesthesiologists there were amazing. You know, they became our friends. They had mm -hmm. so much confidence in us for clearing right. these kids for surgery because they didn't have to do it. So they loved us. 
Yeah, you know? exactly. we'd we'd go to parties together. We'd have one. I mean, we it was just such a, a great family, and it was a very much a privilege for me to work there, and I loved it. Uh, but then going to this other facility where this guy's dreaming like is B I T C H. Yes. <laughs> right. Right. It, it was it was quite disempowering, and he and it was because he had never worked with a nurse practitioner before. So I kept oh. telling him, "Let me show you what I do. This is how I'll just tell you what I need, what I you know how, and then we'll right. work together." Didn't work very well for him, so I didn't last there very long. There was a lot of shady stuff going on too. So not <laughs> a good place. So unfortunately, if the NP is not experienced and doesn't understand how autonomous their role mm-hmm. is, this tends to happen. But mm-hmm. That, again, future episodes. So what is your problem today, Irene? All right. Well, let's talk about drama in the workplace. Yes. Drama in the workplace. Love it. Drama in the workplace. Been and there I are many times. There, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter whether you're a nurse practitioner or you're a secretary or a bank teller. It happens yeah. everywhere. And, yes. um, you know, it's very disruptive to people's psyche. It is. I think in, in our practice, it's very disruptive. And I think it's also, you know, leads to poor patient care. And how does that happen? Well, I did some research. And did you know that two and a half hours per day is spent on office drama? No way. Yes, there, way. There's actual research, peer-reviewed. There's actual research. research. Um, peer-reviewed research. Si- yes, research. Cy Wakeman, um, Wakeman uh, wrote an article that really talked about office drama and how this actually impacts patient care. Two and a half hours out of a day. Now, obviously not in one big chunk, but here and there. Paperwork gets behind. People become more involved in this drama. Uh, it, it's, it becomes to the point where uh, you get so caught up in the drama, you forget what your job is. Okay. It's very true. Now, uh, for the patients, like, I think a lot of people don't understand. Wait a minute. Let, let's look at what the focus is here. The focus is the patient. The focus is not you. Mm-hmm. But the right. focus is the patient. We're here for the patient. We're here to do a job for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it could be a life and death situation, but unfortunately right. people's egos get involved and there's drama. Right, right, right. And here's what happens. Uh, and it's a cycle. It really is a cycle. You know, you get somebody that's upset about something and it becomes one person is all it takes. This individual will start to talk to everybody. And yes. then you divide, divide into teams, okay? You know, everybody's feeling sorry for it, the other people don't. And it becomes this, uh, this you versus us situation, okay? And in, a, in an office setting where you all depend on each other to get work done, it, there's, an off, there's a paper flow, as we know. Yes. You know, uh, and everybody is involved. You give it to... Team A gives it to Team B, and Team B is mad, so they hold it back. Okay? <laughs> People go and ask for the paperwork. No one can find it. Okay? Which further leads to more divide. Okay? How does it inf- impact patient care directly? If they're waiting for a referral to a specialist. Oh, yeah. Yep. Okay? And it's been a week and a half, and they haven't heard yet. That patient needs to be seen by that specialist. 
So how does it affect the patient? Looking at our office, phone call after phone call after phone call, okay, makes the provider look like they don't know what they're doing, okay? So now the provider has to go and hunt down the stuff themselves. Yes. Okay, like, you, you know, we have a lot of time on our hands, right? That we can do that? <laughs> right. Right. When, especially when you're seeing 25 patients in eight yeah, to 10 hours, exactly. you know. Right. And, yeah. you know, you can't even take a pee break, let alone, you know. Yeah. So, um, you know, it starts to build up this, this frustration among providers, you know, who actually get sucked into this, into this vortex. Okay? Yes. And so no matter how much you may say to the, your nurses or your office personnel, I need to have this today or tomorrow. If it's going into team B, it's, it's laid up because team B is mad at us. <laughs> okay. For whatever reason, it also affects the positivity of employees. Okay. When you get caught up into this office drama, people start to feel frustrated, uh, Disempowered. Yes, and disempowered. And how can we stop that? Well, you know, here's here's a really good example. First of all, you need to have very strong leadership. Yes. Okay. I, and I think if that's you, the key. So I'm going to stop you right there. At yep. your center, do they have a director of nurses? Yes, they do. Oh, they do. And they have an assistant DON as well. Wow, that's great for an FQHC because it's really it rare in, in California. I've worked at many and um, I've worked at only one that had a director of nurses. And mm -hmm. I will have to say that was the better one. I, mm -hmm. I felt that the mm -hmm. nursing staff was the most organized there. Yeah, yeah. And, and things ran pretty, um, it, it ran like a, a, a smooth machine. So it, it ran does. pretty it well. Does. I, I it mean, does. With me as a locums, I understand about this whole um, sending people out for uh, specialists, you know, mm -hmm. and, and doing referrals because pediatrics, mm -hmm. a lot of it is referrals. Right. Uh, exactly. To dermatology, to mm -hmm. wherever you have to send them. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, uh, as me as a locums, I have to pray and make sure that this is going through because sometimes it takes about two weeks. Yeah. And right. I don't even. Oh, you know, and I, and, and, you know, the people will assure me, yes, it will be going, but I, I did have, and I'm going to share the story and, and then we'll jump back to um, your issue because this is what has happened to me in the past. Uh, a new physician who was the director of pediatrics at one place that I went to, and she was relatively young, 31 years old. Uh, I would go to her to speed up stuff. And because I had worked at the, the local major children's hospital in the area, and I'd known certain people and I'd say, hey, this is what's going on with this patient. Can we speed it up? Can you make some phone calls so we can get them there faster? Because right. mm -hmm. what's going on. Exactly. Her answer, that's not my patient. Mm. Wow. <laughs> my answer, my answer. You're the director of pediatrics. <laughs> yeah, right. Not your patient. It's not about, I know. It's not about right. your patient, you know, yeah. it, it's about, yeah. it's about mm -hmm. you taking ownership and leadership yes. skills and going to, cause it was a, a physician assistant who was not um, well versed, I think in pediatrics, go to that person and teach them 
pick yes. up the case and, and be empowered to make some phone calls. And stuff. yeah, and, and, why and, and she was like, that's it. not my job. And then I told her that and she said, that's not my job. I'm like, mm -hmm. but you're the, you're the leader. Like, mm -hmm. okay. So if the, the, if our ship is sinking and I go to you and say, Hey, can you come help us? Like throw out some of this water and you come tell me that's not my job. We're going to sink. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And right? some people are very territorial. You know, uh, and she, um, yep. Or you know, this is my little square. This is all I can do. And if I, I, I am not going out there. I'm not going off that square. Yes, this is my territory yeah. right here. Okay, so there's no um, coverage when you're not there. Okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, which means, what happens to the patient? Right. When you're not there, do they just have to wait until you get there? What if you're away for two weeks? So, you know, you have to have this, like you say, a good director of nursing and assistant has really good handle on the nurses, their roles, and what they need to do to help the providers get their stuff done. Thank you. Yes. And, and that's how I feel poor, poor drama affects the, the patient care. It really does. Um, so, uh, I do have a story that tells, shows that, that really does um, paint a picture of very, very poor leadership. So okay. tell us that story. I will tell you that story. When I first became a nurse, I worked in a hospital. And I was assigned to a floor, it was a med surge floor, which I was very you know, used to, it was pretty basic. There was a nurse manager, and there were charge nurses, and nurses, and of course, your uh, um, CNAs or whatever they call them, uh, the nurses' aides. And, and I had come to find out that this group of people worked together for at least five years. So it was like a closed shop. Okay. It's like a mafia. I, it's like a mafia. Yeah, like the mafia. That's right. And I wondered <laughs> why nobody would float to the floor. So not really understanding all the cogs in the wheel, you know, uh, come to find out, you know, they were all buddies and family. I mean, they've worked together for so many years, including the nurse manager, that they became like family. Okay. And how did this bother people? Well, okay, nothing, everything was okay. Everything was okay. Um, I caught a LPN, um, a nurse's aide yelling and screaming at this man because he needed another urinal and she was sick and tired of going into his room to get his urinal. Oh my God. So I walked in and I said, what's the problem? And she said, oh my God, never mind." And I talked to the guy, he goes, I want to speak to the nursing supervisor, which he had every right to do. So I called the nursing supervisor and she came up and she got an earful. Okay. I asked her what happened and she said, well, we'll have to report it. I'll be talking to the nurse manager. Second incident, woman is screaming, 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 got her call light on. All the aides are talking. Nobody is paying attention to this woman who wants to get off the bedpan. So I go in, I take care of this nice old lady, got her all straightened up and ask the nurse, the, the nurse's aides, I mean, what, what's going on here? Why are you not answering your call lights? We were busy. 
She's always got the call light on. So I complained to the nurse manager. And this is where transparency comes into play and fake investigations. Okay. <laughs> right. I love so, that. Fake, yeah, investigations. fake investigations. And so I complained. I told her what was going on. And I and she says, Oh yes, I, I do under I know the first incident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the nurse supervisor did discuss it with me. And then the other ones, you know, she said to me, I will be looking into that. Well, she never looked into it, obviously, because nothing changed. It develops an, an, an attitude of complacency. We let it go. We let it go. We let it go. So the next time I complained about another aide and her attitude towards me, towards patients, again, I will be looking into this with her. And never anything gets done. Nothing gets done. Nothing changes. This is because the leadership is poor. And it's poor because nobody wants to cause a problem. Right. Okay. We don't want to upset the apple car. And then I got to write all these reports. Nobody died. And, and, and then she's going to be mad at me. And I'm going to be the bad guy. Right. So, and I don't so want to start this, this problem because we're such friends. We got a New York City trip planned. Okay. <laughs> so it got to the point where I was like, I can't take this anymore. So I left. All right and started my, my career in community health where things were much, much, much better. And over the years, that incident always came up to haunt me, okay? In different areas, different reasons, different scenarios. And when we talked about office drama and doing this and how it affects patient care, poor leadership also can, can, can uh, uh, enable more office drama. If yes. you let it go, if you keep in, if you keep playing into it, if you if you don't look into things, if you don't want to upset the apple cart, so to speak, your drama is never going to go away. The it's going to continue quo. and continue and continue. Right, right. Because we all we all got to follow. But but I think it becomes a pattern. And I I did. Uh, I'm not sure if you watched the movies. Uh, <laughs> Groundhog's Day and the, oh, new, yeah. movie, the yeah. new movie, Palm Springs, which I liked. It was very cute and kitschy. I, I had to watch mm -hmm. it twice. It was very but, funny. It was cute. Isn't it I very it. cute? Very cute movie. And so there's a lot of quantum physics in that. And I think there's a lot of uh, – something that I, I think needs to be taught in nursing, especially in the master's program, and they probably should teach it in a doctorate program, is philosophy. And oh, going yes. back and looking at the old school philosophers like Plato, because mm -hmm. uh, in the movie Palm Springs, they have the cave analogy, which I think is huge and pivotal. And people don't understand that. And now what we're going through in humanity, people got to understand that. So mm -hmm. in, in Plato's analogy, people are stuck and confined to this cave. All right. They're shackled to this cave and they only see what's in front of them like they only believe what's given to them all the time they're right. not able to go outside of the cave and look outside of the box now once you go outside the cave and you see mm -hmm. the light 
you see the forest for the trees, you're not going to go back to that cave. Sometimes you do and you get complacent because you have to. But once you get this uh, awakening moment, you're just like, wait a minute, something's going on here. You know, mm -hmm. you stop that loop in yourself. You stop that samsara and you've gotten out of it. Like you've woken up and you, you fix the problem in the Groundhog's Day situation. But people are still in that uh, realm, that reality. They mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. going on it and what's happening is it's their programming like they think that that is normal they start thinking that this drama that's going on is just normal it's just normal it's work stuff it's i go to it, work it, every day and we yeah. talk about you know uh whatever the problem is of the moment uh or or slight of the and moment. there's never any resolutions because nobody yeah. knows how to stop those right. wheels nobody right. knows how to get out of the cave you know, because the problem is too, once you realize what the situation and what the problem is, and you got to get out of the cave, now you got to actually do something about it. Well, there's it. Right. And in and, and this, um, another article, Ted Ways to Cut Through the Drama. Uh, it was the Martin Zilwig. Uh, it, it's a, a really fairly recent 224.20 article. One of the ways to cut through it is use empathy wisely. I like that. And yeah, you know, nurses are caring individuals for the most right. part. Um, we want to help. We want to cure. We want to make people better. Okay. We want to. We want to make it all right. And you have to control the empathy. Use it wisely. We want to have, you know, uh, one of your coworkers comes to you and she's whining and crying because, uh, you know, Janie uh, made some, you know, crack about her husband. Okay, <laughs> whatever. And, you know, you come in, she, you know, she knows I'm very sensitive about it, but yet she still does it. Use your empathy wisely. Okay, don't play into the drama. You know, okay, Janie should not have said that, but, you know, cut her some slack. Maybe next time she does it, you could approach her and say, you know, they really hurt my feelings. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Don't play. Be empowered. Yeah. Yeah. You know, a boundary. You know take this responsibility so, for yourself. So, right. I think you're bringing up a very great point because I think one of the things that nurses don't know how to do is set boundaries for themselves. Right. You know? Exactly. And, and I know mm -hmm. this for a fact because I had a lot of problems doing this and, and in mm -hmm. my work situations where there was drama, one of the biggest things that I learned to do was set boundaries. And when I set those boundaries, the drama stopped. And yes. it was because it's almost like having an open door to your home and anybody could come inside for all with no rules. You know, so you right. gotta set rules right. for yourself. Mm -hmm. And because of the backgrounds that nurses have, like some of us may not have grown up in the most perfect homes where right. we allowed to set boundaries where maybe we were there and people were running over our boundaries. So it gets to be very, you get used to it, right? Mm -hmm. So your right. brain, your, your subconscious is now programmed to accept everybody's drama. Oh, right. poor thing. they're just going through a bad day. Oh, well, you know, that person's just like that. Oh, well, you know, mm -hmm. you know, so we become very complacent to people's drama, to people's mm -hmm. poor behaviors. Mm -hmm. you know? And this is where bullying comes to play. I do not like, I mean, I think bullying is such a brand now that people have used, but they don't, they don't really teach people how to cut it out. Bullying is going to be everywhere. 
And, it's, and it always has been, and it's not going to stop. But you have to know what's the difference. It's not going to stop, but mm -hmm. how it does stop is when you start setting boundaries for yourself. Right. Because I've stopped it. I mean, I know I worked at a place where there was a lot of drama, and it was because one person was given so much accolade. She was put yes. on a pedestal. And I came from working at various different places and I come in here and I'm seeing this and I'm seeing how people are bowing down to this person. And, and, and it was interesting because she would come in every morning and not say good morning to people. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. And, one me, of those too. and mm -hmm. me, I, you know, I'm Italian. If we mm -hmm. wake up in the morning, like if I go stay with my parents for a weekend, I wake up in the morning and I don't say good morning. My mother's all like, what? You don't say good morning? You know, right, right, exactly. What's wrong with you? She's in my face. <laughs> right. You know, I'm like, I'm just waking up, you know, but when you get to work, you should be awake. So, uh, and I used to work in an Italian bakery that if I came in and I didn't say good morning to everyone, yeah, the bakers, uh, you know, my coworkers, this, mm -hmm. I didn't go around saying good morning to everyone. They would come and start screaming at me. What? You don't say good morning? Like, who do you think you are? <laughs> What's your problem? What's your problem? You know, and I was only 16 years old. So this is where. This is <laughs> so you learned right away. <laughs> I learned right away. I come in. It's like, good morning. It's like a very sing-songy. And, and it, there's there's something to that. You know, when yes. you're meeting your coworkers, mm -hmm. you're, start, you're, you're uplifting the vibe of the whole so. place. And it's yeah. great. Like, when yeah. people work with me. They know. They're like, oh, when we can, you just have this vibe. Because I go into work, I'm like, hey, good morning. You know, if yeah. I go in and I'm kind of like not feeling good, they know. They're like, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? You didn't say. Mm -hmm. And I go, oh, mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I didn't say good morning to you. Yes, I'm just not feeling well today. Or, you know, I'm a little bit off. I'm thinking about something, you know, uh, and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. so woman would come in and every day, and it was just like she was mad. And people would start making fun of her and talking shit behind her back. Of course. Because you know, they're like, oh, here she comes again. She's mad. And I'm like, no, she's in her head. That was her thing. So mm -hmm. I stopped her one day and I said, why don't you say good morning to anybody when you come in? Oh, my God. It was you like probably I was shocked. <laughs> yes. Didn't know what to say. And like my, you bring up a good point. My hypno, I used to go through a lot of hypnotherapy. This is when I started to wake up and I do teach this in my storytelling classes now about how our subconscious mind gets so entrained that you just snap your fingers and slap someone awake. Like this is, this is what your yeah. behavior is and it is affecting the group as a whole and you are the leader. So if the right. leader is doing that and not, not conscious, I mean, what's going to be happening now? Look what's happening. What starts to happen? Everybody's talking shit about her. Right. And nobody, oh, she approaches her. She, nobody will approach her because they're afraid of her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Even our manager who was higher up than her was afraid of her. She's like, Oh no, I'm afraid of her. So one day she just kept like, and so what she had a tendency of doing at the time, this was years ago, she just kept, had an indice of picking on people and people would just accept it because, oh, well, that's just how she is. Right. One day I, I was going through therapy and my therapist encouraged me to talk to her. And I was like, I can't talk to her. So I scripted what I would say. And mm -hmm. uh, because, and, and not only her, but one of, one of the doctors who was a good friend of mine, um, saw her attack me and, and encouraged me. She's like, she attacked you. You need to go talk to her. 
you know? And so I, I, I set a meeting up with her. I sat her down. I talked with her. She was so unconscious to her own behavior. Of course. And, and so I had it all written down what she had done to me and I made her very conscious of it. And I told her, I respect you as a person. You know, you are my lead. I really respect you uh, for everything you've done, the amount of time that you've worked here, everything you put in here. But I would also like that respect too, because I have done a lot in my career as well. And we should have this mutual respect for each other, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and so thing, okay. Like a snap of a finger, things change. She stopped picking mm -hmm. on me. She was now terrified of me. Mm -hmm. And because I told her, I go, if this continues, I will have to go a step further to human resources. Right. And you her know? idea of that was, oh, I don't want to go there, right? Right. And so, so my manager now was like, huh? She was unconscious <laughs> to her behavior. Oh, oh of course. Really? Yeah, and she was very unconscious. Right, right. And, and my boss was like, what did you do to her? <laughs> She's afraid of you now. I go, why should she be afraid? I just told her what she was doing to me. And I, I told her I respected her and I'd like that respect back. And, mm -hmm. and uh, like, you know, we need to move forward. So then another one of my friends who worked there, who actually got me the job there at this place, she came up to me and said, Oh my God, like she was having the same problems. You know, we shared very similar personalities, very similar Italian backgrounds, you know, mm -hmm. and I encouraged her. I go, all you need to do is set up a meeting with her, talk to her and tell her what you're seeing her do you know, and how you feel as a person. And this woman had a doctorate. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, my colleague had a doctorate. So she was just like, I go, go talk to her. Cause she, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing. And so she did. And she's like, thank you for encouraging me to talk to her because she felt different. She felt now felt empowered in her position. You know, uh, this other woman was now conscious of her behavior, how she was treating this one. You know, mm -hmm. and, and so it, our work lives got better. Now, if this leader is now feeling disempowered and scared, that's up to her. Maybe she needs to go get therapy. Right, right. <laughs> right, know? exactly. She's not a victim. No, she's not a victim. Not a victim. I mean, you're responsible for your own self, your own behavior. Thank you. Thank okay. you. And, you know, when you come into a, a manager's office and you say, you know, look, there's a problem here. All right. This problem is not only affecting me or my coworkers, but also my patients. Thank you. You're not a victim anymore. You become empowered to say, we're going to have to change things. And if nothing gets done, then you do have to go to a higher level. Okay. Because sometimes, as I said before, you're your your managers are so involved in the lives of the co-workers that they cannot effectively manage any longer thank you so you're going to have a continuation of of bad behavior okay that could be explained away by oh this just how she is you know how she is ignore her or right. she's having a bad day <laughs> or something Okay. Well, she brought in donuts today. I think she understands she was mad at everything. She wasn't being a good girl. Okay. It's that sort of behavior that just keeps perpetuating the problem. Okay. And so by putting the stops, putting the brakes on it and making them accountable, you know, you end up stopping the drama. And how it, do you it stop does. the drama? It you does. Have to use, you have to stop the empathy. You have to be mindful of what is actually going on. I mean, is this something that needs to stop the workflow because their feelings are hurt? 
you know? I mean, I had one girl that used to come in my office, I'm telling you, four times a day. I, can't, I don't have that kind of time to counsel you, all right? <laughs> so it's like, you know, what happened now? I mean, it got to the point where it was disruptive. And I finally, very, very nicely, <laughs> and it was hard to do because, you know, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I had to actually say to her, you know what? You need to get some sort of help with this problem, and I'm not qualified to do it. I don't want to hurt your feelings, but I, ca I can't have you in my office five times a day with the same problem. I'm not I agree. Okay? Right, because and, and she was good with that. I think she needed to know that. You know, I was yeah. comfortable. I was comfortable. She could come in my office. She knew I wasn't going to yell at her, you know, or ignore her. But it got to a point where I had to do something because my time is very precious, okay? And I can't be counseling someone when that's not my job, okay? And she needed to see somebody else. And I think, you know, that may have opened her eyes. Yes. Because if I continue that stuff, if I did, I could see that happening. She'd be in my office constantly. And I it, can't hear that. It's true. And it's probably happening in other aspects of her life, as was with mine. You know, mm -hmm. I would say it wasn't only at work that I was having issues. I was having issues all over the place. And once mm -hmm. I started to really look at my, my internal story, my internal programming of how I was dealing with stuff, you know, mm -hmm. uh, because I was just like, like I said, my doors were open. I was like, sure, everybody's my friend. Sure. You know, yeah, right, and, right. And, and, and no, you can't do that. You know, and in nursing, I, I think that people think that we have to be nice to everybody. Right, right. Or become know? nurse ratchet. That's who we are. Yeah. Okay. Or become nurse be ratchet. There. Right. Yeah. You know, we don't want and, to be naughty. We just right. want to be able to do our jobs and we still want to help people. I'm not saying, you know, we throw them out of our office on their ear. What I'm saying is, you know, okay, they tell you the problem and you try to, you know, gently, you know, sway them into the right direction, you know, uh, to stop that drama that continually perpetuates, you know? Right. So, you know, the other thing too, Ursula, is it's not our job to make everybody happy. No. Exactly. You know? And it's not our job to make everybody like us. Yeah, that's and true. I, that's true. And, and I think that's a, a big thing is that we always are trying to make people like us. And I, that was one of my problems, you know, because mm -hmm. I grew up with a mother who was like that. She, she's very like codependent, trying to make everybody like her. You know, she's, she's a perfectionist. She's very OCD. Um, and, and that is her profession. So I had picked that up and it was in my subconscious programming until I started to really look at it, you know, mm -hmm. until I started to really look at myself and what I was doing. And so then I, I had to reprogram myself and people, this is what people need to do. They have to reprogram what is in their subconscious mind to change their behavior. And the, the one way you do it is being very conscious and being very uh -huh. in the present moment and looking and kind of taking a step back sometimes, you know, and it's okay if you cannot tell someone something in the moment, you, you should tell them, listen, I need to process this and I will get back to you. Uh -huh. you know? So exactly. maybe take a few moments, maybe even take a day even take a day and sleep on it because your subconscious is now processing this situation mm -hmm. in the morning. If you ask yourself a question before you go to bed, 
in the morning, you will have the answer to it. This is how some of the most famous inventors have gotten their inventions. And I was even talking to my father about it. He's Mr. Fix-It. Mr. He, he has a lot of inventions himself. He is a creator. Uh, and he's told me that too. He goes, oh, you know, when I have a problem, I just ask myself the question and I wake up and I have the answer. And, and, and it... <laughs> Good idea. And it, yes, it is a great idea. And it's because your brain is processing everything that's happened that day. That's why sleep is so important mm -hmm. so that yes. you can get up. You are very refreshed and awake and you're like, hmm, this is what I feel like about this situation. This is what I'm going to do. And now you have a plan of action. And it mm -hmm. is also empowering yourself to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you can set better boundaries. We're not taught this in nursing school. No. No, I believe, I empathy. believe we're taught, we're taught empathy. empathy. We're taught empathy, active listening. We are not taught how to set boundaries. We are not taught about other people's drama and how other people can throw us in. And even our patients will do that. You know, oh, I have yeah. had mm -hmm. patients come in and they're, they start getting me in there. And I'm like, when was the last time you gave your kid albuterol? She's like, well, two weeks ago when I went to the emergency room, Da, 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 and she starts telling me the story. I'm like, lady, where have you taken me? You know, I just asked yeah. you, <laughs> did you give it you to, have to, you have to, I have to stop them back in. I have to reel the, I have to stop yeah. their circle of drama. Okay. We're stopping mm -hmm. the circle here. Did you give it to them today? today. <laughs> <laughs> Eight o'clock in the morning. What time was it? Right. Right. You know, and they get a little bit perturbed because they're so used to telling this story, the whole story, right. whether it's, it's true or whether it's false, they are so in this samsara cycle and this karma cycle where it keeps going. You got to kind of, you, and it is a finesse to stop that loop, you know? It and I started, I started to really look at this uh, when I was doing storytelling and, and, and understanding the craft and my mother was in the hospital and she had her story. She had her like monologue about what mm -hmm. happened to her. Right. Mm -hmm. And I remember this resident had come in and it was July and she's telling him the story. And his eye, he was just like, like, like freaking out. His eyes were bugging out of his head. He was freaking out. He was, and I just started laughing because uh -huh. my mother had her story down and she got, had to tell it from the very mm -hmm. beginning uh, and, and, this is, and, and it was hilarious. So I really started to look at that and I was like, oh, that's so, so interesting. You know, mm -hmm. I think this poor guy doesn't even know how to stop her. You no. know, the next day yeah. the attendee came in and she knew it. She knew how to stop my mom. Mm -hmm. She knew how to get the right information. I was like, oh, look at that. That's very, very interesting. Right. It's, and it wasn't that she was being rude. Um, she was being a little bit curt, like, listen, this is what I need, you know, uh, and, and stuff. But it, it's very, very interesting. My mother tried to do that with me. She had like this problem. She had to take me to the very, well, when the neighbor, da, 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 like she's telling me about her phone bill. And I was like, I don't understand what your neighbor has to do with the phone bill. <laughs> Let's look at the phone bill. Right. Like, right. Let's, let's focus. And it, it happens a lot in practice too. You know, you get the people come in and they have their storyline already. And all I need to know is how are you feeling? Are you taking your meds? 
let's talk about that wound that's not healing. You know, <laughs> and we're going to go to wound clinic. You know, it's like they tell you this enormous story of, you know, th that they have trouble, you know, bending down. And, you know, my daughter and her kids are always over there. And they go on and on and on. And it is a, it really is a, um, lost it, uh, a, a, not a trick, uh, a talent to stop them and get the information you need without it is a talent like root. it is a talent you know, and i and think it takes that a long time to develop right and i think that but they they don't teach people how to do this this is the thing they don't teach people how to be like okay yeah. stopping their karmic cycle of drama and and right. and, and like putting your foot in the middle of their, their cycle and going, okay, this is what I need. And this is the thing too. Uh, if you're a patient listening to this, we only have 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, that's right. Oh, and, and you gotta be like, it. it's like a quick fire. It's like boom, 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 you know? And, mm -hmm. um, I mean, personally me, I started assessing my patients as I see them in the waiting room. Like I'll go me peek too. and I'll be like scanning and I'm like, okay, I know this one I'm watching them. Okay, you know, and, and you mm -hmm. can get a lot of information. Oh, yeah. oh, and yeah. you know, just if by watching them, just by just watching by them, them. Mm -hmm. just by looking at them, you know, and, mm -hmm. and yes, that does take experience, you know, because mm -hmm. to, to gain intuition, you have to also have that experience of like, I've right. seen this kid, this type of kid a 100 times already, mm -hmm. I already know right. what he's coming in for. You know, mm -hmm. and that's where that mm -hmm. comes from. Now, mm -hmm. a novice MP maybe doesn't do that, and maybe it's just yeah. more focused on, uh, you know, getting curing like, them, <laughs> curing them, getting all the right things, making sure. Yeah. Oh, did you get yeah. your flu shot? Because you know you need your flu, and I can't, yeah. I can't tell you about your immune system because they didn't teach me that in school, right. and that's not right. how I'm supposed to do stuff. So, mm -hmm. which is another mm -hmm. Facebook argument that I got into, and I was accused of being very political and an anti-vaxxer, which I am not. Uh, but, it, but it's interesting uh, how people view things these days. But anyway, this has been a, an amazing discussion. Anything else you want to add? I mean, oh, and, and yeah. I think that the, the takeaways are, is to be very conscious, especially in this day and era. Oh, absolutely. It's the me time. It's the me time. about them, yes. Right, because I because I think that what happens to is people will bring they'll be in their heads, you know they'll be in their ego state of mind and they will bring all whatever is going on with them the you know someone cut them off on the freeway they bring that in mm -hmm. someone you know screamed at them on the street they might bring that in they got in mm -hmm. a fight with their significant other or their kids couldn't go to school or couldn't get their zoom updated who knows they bring that in as well mm -hmm. and it's mm -hmm. also important to say to be very present when you go into the workplace i try mm -hmm. to as much as possible right i'm here i'm this is what i'm doing right now you know mm -hmm. and yes we are human beings and yes we do tend to still carry whatever happened to us with us you yeah. Know, and just to be conscious that, hey, okay, is this really affecting me? Like with me, I will be, if I, I am a human being, and if I insult someone, I don't do it on purpose. I'll tell them sorry, <laughs> or, right. I, or I'll go back, you know, because I, I remember my cousin was staying with me from New York, and I kind of just was having not issues. I wasn't having issues with him. I was just having issues with myself, and I wasn't comfortable with myself. So I did have 
an outbreak when we had gone out. I had kind of had a little bit of a meltdown. And I, I turned to him, you know, after and I said, I am very sorry for having that meltdown. I'm just feeling frustrated right now. And I'm just feeling upset, you know, and I am very in control of my emotions. Um, and he's in a belief to show your emotions, you know, so he told me that's okay. You know, I know that that's not, you know, you, you just had a moment and stuff like that. So he understands, like he mm -hmm. knows me that moments are okay, but if you have them all the time and you don't take accountability for them, right? That's, that's the where issue. I think that's where the problem comes into play. And then it starts mm -hmm. to be a bullying thing. You know, yeah. but if you acknowledge that you did something wrong, people are very forgiving of that, you know, mm -hmm. and you, you exactly. know, unless it keeps happening all the time. Someone goes, right. It's happening all the time and you're not uh, conscious of it, you know, mm -hmm. and, right. and, and that's, I think where the problem is. And, mm -hmm. and just to be very conscious and out of your ego and say, you know what, I'm here for my patients. I'm not here to play fashion model. I am not here to play, oh, I got my title and, you know, you know who I am yeah, and, right. and stuff. And to get a, a, away from that and yeah, uh, move yeah. forward. To move forward and to, like you say, be present in the situation with your patients and your coworkers, to be empathetic, but also to, you know, uh, put boundaries upon yourself yes and 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 uh also so that they know well okay i can approach her she's a really nice person but i'm not going to be able to dump on her and and that's the way everybody should feel okay I think so. if you have the I same problem over and over again you need to fix it okay right. you're not a victim you don't have to be a victim but you do need to be accountable for your actions and if you right. can't control those actions you need to seek help exactly you know? And, and I think plenty that of it out there. there's plenty of it out there, but I think that larger facilities, and we talked about this on our burnout program, uh, burnout episode that we did here with Dr. Reef Kareem. The problem is huge companies like Google, they have a therapist on staff that if you are mm -hmm. having a problem, you can go make an appointment and talk to them. I do have a friend who's a nurse practitioner. She's working at Keck USC, and she told me she gets 25 psychology visits available to her, which I think is amazing. I do too. I think that's a wonderful thing, especially in today, right now in it's our society. It's so stressful. Happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so I, freaking out. So. I, I think that's the, the other thing too is people need to make this needs to be made more readily available. I agree. In, in mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in these types of facilities mm -hmm. uh, so that mm -hmm. people feel comfortable saying, okay, wait a minute, I'm having a problem. I need to go talk to someone. And that someone needs to show them, okay, well, this is what is happening. It needs to be like a mirror. This is what you are doing. You know, I want to be conscious of what I'm doing uh, too, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I, I, I work at a, a practice right now where my people will tell me if I'm doing something wrong or, you know, something's happening they will come up to me and tell me and they see the difference of practitioners they had another oh, yeah. practitioner there who wasn't pediatric specified i've done peds my whole entire career just about you know i did adults mm -hmm. in the beginning but i've done peds for about 25 years now and so they see the difference and they i haven't been there for a year and they were like gosh we wish you were here you know mm -hmm. so it showed mm -hmm. a value and now i've just gone back there again mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh and, and it and it and it's great that they see the difference of practice, you know, yes. between myself and this person. They were just telling me some of the issues she was having, and they were very minuscule and, and personal to her, 
mm-hmm. you know? And so I told him, it's not about that. It's not about the personal thing, you know? Yes, I get paid for, a, you know, my day. And the, yes, this is how much I need. But at this facility, you're pretty much free to practice how you want. And it's, it's mm-hmm. at, to me, I'm like, this is one of, the, one of the best practices that I've ever been to. Right. You know, because I, I get a lot of autonomy. I have a great staff where we work all together. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very educational thing because I love education. I love pulling research. Yeah. And mm-hmm. we go back and forth. And so they haven't had that for a year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, I tell you, if, if you're happy with what you're doing, you know, it, it, it just radiates from you. And um, I work in a place now. I mean, I love where I work. Everybody is wonderful. We all try to pull it together. You know, uh, yes, we have some drama. but Yeah, there is, there is always going to be yeah. drama. But, but I think it doesn't inhibit is, anything. It, the key is how mm-hmm. you resolve it. Right. I mean, uh, you know, if you don't get along with somebody, you don't get along with them. You stay away from them. But for the most part, everybody is there to support each other and to do a good job. And that makes it, that too is contagious. Yes. Yes, it is contagious. So, you know, if you bring a positivity to an office setting, it does translate. Okay, uh, you come in and you're miserable, it translates. Yes. I always tell everybody, leave your problems at home. Okay, at and try, try to, to work. <laughs> yeah, or at least try to. And then I tell them also, leave work here. Yes. Don't bring it yes. home. I tell that to all the new clinicians, do not bring your work home. You need to spend time away from this place and with things you like to do. Not here. Yes. If you want to work 24 seven, do, don't do that. It's bad for you. It's bad for everybody else. Right. And some people can't leave it at work because this is great. They, they start ruminating about what happened at work. And right. so they'll bring in. I have a friend who does this. Um, his spouse picks him up and he gets in the car and he just starts laying into him about what happened in his day. Oh, and this patient and this patient and this patient. And he stops him. He says, listen, I don't want to talk about your patients. Right. It's good for you. And I told him, I go, maybe you should give him like, cause he is stressed. I go, maybe you should give him a 10 to 15 minute vent period. And after that, he can't talk about it anymore. Right. You know? And and so I helped them set that boundary. But yes, Mm -hmm. these are all very great points. This has been an amazing discussion, Irene. Thank you. I enjoyed it. If people would like to follow you on Facebook or you on Instagram, any social media, where can people find you? I'm on the the nurse practitioner site. I'd be more than happy to, you know, I do follow them, you know, whenever I can. So that's fine. All the other stuff on social media, I'm not really good at. I don't do Instagram and all that stuff. But I'm just involved with that. Okay. The nurse practitioners group. So. Excellent. And I'd love to have you on the show again in the future. This has been so much fun. Okay. Awesome. Thanks for being on. Take care of yourself. All right. Thanks for listening to our Nurses and Hypochondriacs podcast. We love your support and we love our listeners. If you have some spare change, go ahead and throw some to us on our Venmo at Nurses and Hypochon. Also, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. We'd love that. And if you'd like to be a guest, go ahead and send us an email at nursesandhypochondriacs at gmail.com.